Yo, what is going on, everyone? What is cooking? This is scriptwriter Steve. You reached my podcast, Barbecue Two Movies. Today is June eleventh, twenty twenty one. It is currently three ten a.m. in the morning. In case you don't know, it's a Friday, but this podcast is for Thursday. Wow, that Friday had really sneaked up on me. Huh. This week, this life is going by too quick. Okay, I'm going to turn this down. How are you enjoying your day so far? You know, I'm about to head to bed right after I finish this podcast. Yep, it's 3.10 a.m. in the morning. I didn't get much work done late tonight. Uh, you know, um, I had my buddy, a pitmaster Keith, over and... Uh, we were just talking a little bit of story. You know, here in Hawaii, we say talk story, right? And I guess it's kind of a cool saying because I'm a writer, so I love to talk story. I'm not sure if you heard that in the mainland before, but here in Hawaii, we always say that. Hey, come over, talk a little story, you know? Or we say talk story. Hey, come over, talk story. And, uh, you know, we, we were talking about barbecue and we were taking a look at... um. I think is there's a YouTuber called uh, The Mad Scientist, and he was making pastrami beef ribs. And the first thing that, that came out of my mind is like, mm, why are you using beef ribs, which is maybe about $11.99 to maybe $15 a pound to make pastrami? You use a cheap meat. You use brisket. You know, mostly everyone out there uses brisket because, you know, you use a lot of, when you make pastrami out of brisket, um, <laughs> you can use a lot of meat to make a single sandwich. Um, if you ever have the chance, uh, look up, um, YouTube videos on Katz Barbecue, K-A-T-Z, and you'll see them slicing up brisket like a Jedi master. And you can see how much of that brisket they put into a single sandwich. And uh, if I were to put that amount of meat into a single pastrami sandwich from, you know, a beef rib, I would use almost the entire beef rib for one sandwich. And that basically that makes, uh, I guess, that beef sandwich or oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, that pastrami sandwich cost about. Right now, in today's uh, beef Biden climate, because all the prices of beef are just skyrocketing, it will make that sandwich maybe $50, right? 50 or maybe $60, because that's how expensive it is for some cuts of beef ribs out there. It's just crazy. So how are you enjoying your Biden economy right now? I can tell you, uh, it's... You know, it's good to be open. You know, it's really nice to to have the freedom of the opportunity to, to actually do business again, right? Because 2020, let's just face it, it sucked, right? I mean, it doesn't matter if, you know, Trump was president or not. It just really sucked being locked down. And, you know, President Trump didn't, you know, have control over all the different states. He couldn't tell different states to open up or lock down, uh, unfortunately, and the same thing, Biden really can't tell which states to open or which states to lock down as well. Uh, you know, but I live in a blue state and our governor is a, you know, he's a progressive liberal Democrat and he's also very, very, very stupid. I mean, extremely stupid. I think he's next to Cuomo or Cuomo or however you want to say his name, um, to being one of the worst governors of all time. Now we are still, basically locked down here in Hawaii. I mean, I, I wouldn't say locked down, but we are, we still have mandates 
that make business very, very difficult, right? And um, because of because Ige, Governor Ige, uh, wasn't clear on when we would be open or reopening, uh, we have a huge shortage of rental cars here in Hawaii. So because we have this huge car rental shortage, you know, a lot of people who want to travel to Hawaii just don't want to come here because a rental car per day costs more than a hotel. Isn't that nuts, right? And, you know, a lot of people even don't want to travel, you know, to Hawaii because they, when they come here, they're going to get tracked. They're going to get tracked as though they're getting tracked in China. Uh, you, what you'll have to do is you'll have to download a travel app, upload your, you know, your t- COVID test. And when you go into a, uh, I guess, a store or a restaurant or a tourist attraction here in Waikiki, you'll have to um, scan your QR code. And that will basically tell um, Hawaii or contact tracers if you come down with COVID or anybody comes down with COVID around your area where they could contact you because, again, they want to know exactly where you went so they can basically isolate you if there's COVID around you or, you know, you know, just track you in some way. And, and, and it just seems as though it's an invasion of your privacy, right? And, and I know what they want. I know what they mean. And I know they may mean well, right? But if there's just... You know, we're not in China. You can't do certain things. And I just wish our Supreme Court had some backbone and would just say, hey, wait a minute. This is America. We do have a Fourth Amendment, which is your right to privacy, which is your right to privacy of medical records and also your right to privacy of where you've been, where you've ate, where you've worshipped, which, you know, uh, I guess which uh, tourist attraction you saw. Oh, by the way, if you hear that little squeaking in the back, that's my guinea pig who is uh, throwing a tantrum back there because she wants some food. Um, I'll go ahead and feed her after the break. Uh, but she always wants food. You know what guinea pigs are, right? So, uh, But as far as this podcast goes, today I want to talk about um, our president, you know, Biden right now, because it's it's been a disaster. It really, really has. And... Every single day, America just seems to be going down the tube. And this is not me being paranoid or this is not me being, you know, end of the earth type of, you know, type of panicking or, or throwing false narratives in there. Things are looking bad, people. Things are looking really, really bad. And I know when, um, you know, here's the thing when the Democrats, when the Democrats, you know, had Trump in power, they, they made up a fear. They feared Donald Trump for no reason. Even though everything was going great, the economy is going great. Unemployment was at its lowest, right? There was we weren't we were energy independent. We were all rich. There was unemployment was so low. We all had jobs. It was it was great, and we were all making so much money. Companies were making money. Individuals individuals were making money. Home ownership was up. It didn't matter what race or ethnicity you're in. Everything was up, and it looked as though President Trump would cruise to a victory because. You know, they, you know, they really couldn't come up with a narrative to destroy Trump. And then here walked in COVID, a virus that was, you know, technically created by proxy through, through, uh, you know, the funding through the NIH, through Dr. Fauci, through the Wuhan laboratory. And they just latched onto it and started to use this as a narrative to create more lies and, you know, install mail-in balloting and then change the rules of the election of the way that these were counted. And lo and behold, we have a president 
who who supposedly won with 81 million votes and it's just really really hard for me to digest that i mean it's just really hard for me to digest that and again that's not me being paranoid about that right it's just really hard to understand if the majority of america is as woke as the media says and uh, Joe Biden says we are, like all the majority of America, all they do is they care about Black Lives Matter, they care about climate change, they care about critical race theory, and they want all of this in their in their movies, and they want their celebrities talking about that, they want their sports talking about that, they want their music talking about that, and they want the wealthy to pay, pay more in taxes, they want tax, 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 and they want everything, everything, they, they just want everything to be electric and not gas-powered, blah, blah, blah. Why is America just tuning out, uh, you know, of the Oscars, the, the Major League Baseball, the NBA? Why are we not watching Joe Biden's speeches? Because 81, you know, 81 million people voted for this. Where are all those 81 million people? Where is this majority of people who are just saying, wow, you know, where are they? That, that, we're so glad that America is woke. Where are they? Where's that majority? Have they gone silent? No, they're the furthest thing from silent, right? I mean, do we believe that the majority of Americans, you know, want our kids to learn critical race theory in school rather than English, math, and science, right? Do we want our kids to go to college to learn about race and gender, uh, gender equity and all these different things out there? Or do we want them to actually learn a skill? Right? I mean, which America is it? And right now, the Democrats are telling us, and Joe Biden is telling us that they want what I just described. I don't believe that. Do you believe that? I, I just don't. I just don't. And maybe, you know, <laughs> maybe America, they will want that in the future because these universities are brainwashing these new kids. You know, they're, they're brainwashing them into thinking that, hey, wait a minute, I'm young. I don't know who I am. I'm trying to discover my identity. So maybe I should chemically castrate myself, right? And if I, you know, if I don't do this, I'm just going to be, you know, um, uh, going through my life and, and uh, just confused, confused, confused. So please do it to me. And don't let my parents have any right to say, you know, what I want to do to my body because that would just be transphobic, right? And while I'm at it, why don't I compete in some female sports because I identify as a female even though I'm a lot stronger than females and that's not about women's rights. Where'd the women's rights movements go, by the way, right? That's just all a bunch of, you know, kapui, right? So again, is this the America that we wanted? You know, to be, again, energy dependent, to have, you know, gas going towards $5 a gallon again, right? To have a president who is, not only clueless, I, I have no idea where he is most of the time. And I can't understand, you know, half the things he's saying sometimes. Or, you know, he goes over to the, I guess, or I think it was um, the military, I think, which one was it? It was the, the Navy cadet graduation or something like that. And he tells the military, military people over there that the primary threat that they'll face in their life, other than white supremacy, is climate change. You know, the Democrats love to live in the future or in the past, but never in the present. You know, I, I'll tell you a story here. 
you know, my father and I, this is really funny. So my father and I, uh, I'm not sure when it was, but I think it was over 10 years ago. I think it was maybe 15 years ago. Uh, we thought it would be a really good idea to just party crash all of these, um, all of these political parties, all of, literally parties, right? So when we say parties, we're talking on election day, all of these politicians throw parties and on, I guess, parties on the day uh, for their supporters and not only that, for the people who worked on their, on their campaign. So you can go, you can hop from one party to the next eating their food. So this is what my dad and I did uh, for about, you know, 15 years. And, you know, when, when the, I guess the next election comes up, we're going to do it again. We're going to crash parties and we're going to eat, eat food at every single party. It doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican, we're going to show up to your party to eat your food. And, um, but when we went over to David Egays, that's our governor, which is governor's party, and he's a Democrat. I saw one of my liberal friends there and he was very surprised that I was there. And I didn't tell him I was there just to eat the food, right? <laughs> so, but anyway, we go, we go there and Ige is there. And, uh, first of all, he's not very, uh, he's not a very good communicator. So he takes the stage and we don't even know if he actually even won the election. And then Caldwell, who wants to run for governor in the next round, well, he starts taking the stage and, and says that he's so glad that Ige had actually won. And he's a much better speaker than Ige, but he's still an idiot. And he said that now that Ige has won, um, you know, the, the, uh, their Democrat party can focus on, you know, doing the right thing about for Hawaii, which is to battle climate change, to actually battle Donald Trump as he, uh, as he pushes forward in the next three years, right? That was their primary concern. The first things out of their mind, battling climate change and then Donald Trump. We have a huge crime problem in Hawaii. There's a drug problem in Hawaii. You know, also, you know, Hawaii is getting very dirty. We have a huge homeless problem. There's a huge littering problem. You know, our sewers are outdated. Our, our electricity grid is outdated. Uh, we have a rail which we can't afford. We're going bankrupt and all they care about is climate change, which doesn't make any sense because we are such a little dot in the ocean that a dot in the world, a dot of a population that, hey, if everyone had a very, very big carbon footprint in Hawaii, it wouldn't make a difference. It wouldn't make any difference. It wouldn't even make a nick of difference. You know, we're surrounded by ocean. And if we're out there saying, hey, you know what? We want to be carbon neutral. What does that mean? I mean, really, what does, what does that mean? That means we can't allow airplanes, <laughs> tourists, to fly in to visit us. We're that stupid, right? And again, why should we even care? I mean, China, we, we should, if we care about CO2 pollution, like, like, like say, for example, again, if we really, really do care about CO2, and if it was, quote, unquote, a polluter, right, which it actually is not, I'm talking to you right now, I'm passionate, I'm exhaling CO2 more than I usually do when I'm calm. So am I carbon polluting right now? Or when I fart, am I carbon polluting more? So when I go to a Mexican restaurant, does that mean I have to pay more carbon credits because I'm not really being carbon neutral? It doesn't make any sense, right? So again, but if we were to really care about carbon neutrality, why wouldn't we put pressure on you know, say, for example, India or China. 
which, you know, they are the two biggest exporters or carbon emissions polluters out there. But we don't. We care about our little, little island, right? You know, and we also care about Donald Trump. Not about our crime, not about the homeless problem, nothing like that. So the same thing could translate into like, a, into the Democrat Party. You know, they, what do they want you to comp- you know, worry about? White supremacy. Well, people, there's no white supremacy in the United States. It's all made up. It's all completely made up. You know, they want to, they want to worry about systemic racism. So which system is actually racist? Really? Really? Which system is it racist? Because you see Afri- African Americans and minorities, Asians and Hispanics and everyone out there succeeding. In every single system out there, you see, you know, black cops, you know, head, head of their police department. You saw a black president. You see entertainers who are black who are extremely wealthy. You see black movie stars. I mean, where does it end? You know, Samuel Jackson, black guy, right? Wesley Snipes, <laughs> right? Oh my God. You know, I mean, it's, does your skin color actually matter? You know, who was, who was the top, who had the top movie at one time? It was Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan. Racist America, white supremacist in America. You know, if we actually had white supremacy in America, why would Rush Hour be such a successful franchise, right? It doesn't make any sense. Who else had a really top show at one time? Dave Chappelle, right? Dave Chappelle. I mean, does it really matter what skin color you are? It doesn't. It absolutely doesn't. So again, the Democrats... You know, they're pushing all these narratives, all these fear things and all that, and they don't care about, you know, the real things. You know, Joe Biden doesn't care about the real things that really matter in our life. So when I get back from this commercial break, I should have cut to that a long time ago. I want to talk about this Joe Biden economy. I mean, this current president's economy right now. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get, get real with you right here. You know, I'm going to get real. I'm not going to hold anything back because... You know, we all need to hear this. We all need to talk about this. And I'm not going to, no, there's not, not going to be any screenwriting coming from me. These are, all are going to be facts. And I have it right here on a paper, right here, right in front of me. And they're all bullet points. And I'm just going to read out these bullet points and again, you know, give my opinion as I go along. So I'm going to cut the commercial, hang around, and uh, we'll talk about all of this when I get back. Hey, what's going on, everyone? It's scriptwriter Steve with a shameless plug for my company, Dream Weddings Hawaii. So if you want to get married in Hawaii, if you want to get your vows renewed in Hawaii, and if you want some family pictures in Hawaii, make sure you check me out. So my website is dreamweddingshawaii.com. So that's dream, weddings with a S, Hawaii spelled out, dot com. Okay, I am back from that commercial break and I got that mystery music playing to get us in the mood. All right. Because, you know, Joe Biden, he's a big mystery. The whole election is a big mystery to me, like I told you before, right? I just don't get it. I really don't get it. You know, I don't understand how a person can win a campaign with 
none of his supporters showing up to actually greet him at any of his campaign spots. I mean, I don't mean none. There were maybe a few hundred, and I think at the most there was a few thousand. You know, we're supposed to believe that, you know, President Biden was the most popular president of all time. I mean, he got 81 million votes. And, you know, his supporters who are, you know, why don't we just say this? You know, the vast majority of the Black Lives Matter people, anyone who showed up to those protests, they are more than likely supporters of Joe Biden, right? And um, they broke all the COVID rules and they were out there holding hands and protesting for George Floyd. Now, you think if they were this passionate about Joe Biden, they would show up despite COVID. Because again, they protested George Floyd's death during COVID, during the height of COVID, when COVID was at its worst, right? And um, again, where were they for Joe Biden? They were nowhere. They really didn't care. They absolutely didn't care. Where was, where were they when he was, uh, I guess, um, I guess, uh, t- giving a speech during his, during his inauguration? I mean, I do know that they closed down that entire D.C. area, because they were scared of, one, COVID, number two, the domestic terrorist, right? The quote-unquote domestic terrorist, the quote-unquote insurrectionist. Um, but again, there was an area there which Joe Biden supporters could come in and attend, and it was empty. Where were they? 81 million votes, the most popular president of all time. I just don't understand that either. You know, do you know that Joe Biden... Um, they said that the way he campaigned is that he stayed, I mean, they, they keep saying he stayed in his basement, but they, he stayed in one area, basically, right? And what did he do? He sent lawyers to all of the swing states, very, very high-powered lawyers, to make sure they changed the rules. So what did he make sure they changed? Number one, he wanted to make sure that the mail-in ballots were counted after the provisional vote. So what the hell is a provisional vote? That's the in-person vote. So usually, um, and this is the way to keep in the, I guess, the mail-in ballots in- integral, is you would want to count your mail-in ballots first, and there's a cutoff range, and then you count your provisional votes. Because you don't want to count your mail-in ballots after the fact, because you could just keep finding mail-in ballots left and right. Okay? So the majority of the states counted their mail-in ballots first, and then their provisional. Now, who didn't do that? Well, the swing states, the very important swing states where Joe Biden had to win. So we're talking Pennsylvania, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Michigan, uh, the, basically the northern states right there, right? Uh, even New York and everything like that. And then you go down, and you, then you go over down to, there, there to Virginia, then you, then you go over down to Arizona and Georgia, right? Basically, the areas, the exact states that Joe Biden needed to win uh, in order to to swing, uh, I guess, the vote toward him. And in those areas, those in those states, they countered their mail-in ballots after the provis- provisional votes, and it took weeks, weeks, not just one week, weeks, about two weeks. I think Pennsylvania took two weeks. Isn't that strange? Why? Why is it that a state such as Pennsylvania, which is smaller than Texas, it can take two weeks to count their mail-in ballot votes while Florida and Texas and all of the, even California can get all of their vote counting done that night. But these other vote, these other swing states where Joe Biden just happened to send his lawyers where they changed all the laws 
it took them about one to two weeks, right? And especially, especially the states where Joe Biden needed to win, it took a lot longer to find the right votes. And every time, uh, the vote didn't just stop, uh, Trump's vote just didn't stop counting once in these states. Every time Trump actually, his margin started to close, right? Um, that's when they stopped the vote again. They stopped the vote and then they found more votes. And this process repeated itself over and over and over again until statistically, you know, uh, it was almost an impossibility that Biden would win. And then suddenly Biden was the comeback kid and all of these mail-in ballots appeared out of nowhere. And these mail-in ballots, <laughs> they were, they were only, t they only voted for Joe Biden and no one else. Very strange, right? And again, these ballots were only counted after the provisionals. Just happens to be, just happens to be. There's a lot of, there's a lot of smoke, people. A lot, a lot of smoke. And you, when, you know, when you hear them say there's no evidence of fraud out there, there's evidence. It just has not had the opportunity to be cross-examined. There's always evidence out there, right? And some of this evidence out there may be a bunch of bull. Some of it may be 100% correct. But the court threw out every single case and didn't even give the opportunity of any of these arguments, any of these ev this evidence to actually be investigated, which is really sad. There are thousands of affidavits, I think tens of thousands, thousands of affidavits out there, which would hold up in any court of law. This is America. If we can sue for too hot coffee, right? This happened a long time ago. Someone sued McDonald's for the coffee that was too hot. Why can't we sue to get to the bottom of election fraud or quote-unquote election fraud? Because if there's nothing there, it would be okay. You know, I would be 100% okay with it, right? Now, I mean, okay with the outcome. Why don't we say that, right? I would be 100% okay with the outcome, but because right now, because the that conversation or that investigation or that cross-examination was not allowed to happen, now, that, that, that makes myself and a lot of Republicans very skeptical. In fact, that makes 25% of Democrats very skeptical. So we're talking about if 50%, if 50% if of the nation thinks, you know, there was election fraud and then 25% of the Democrats do, we're talking about 75% of the entire nation thinks something, something very, very crazy went on. All right. And there's no doubt about it that there is election fraud that goes on. And the dumbest, the dumbest argument I ever heard is that when the, the Democrats say that, yes, there is election fraud that goes on, but not enough to turn an election. Why does anybody commit fraud for? Why does anybody commit fraud for any reason? There is always, people are not doing this for fun, all right? They're doing this to affect the outcome. So, why do they say that? Oh, there's a lot of fraud that goes on. There's a lot of people who are, you know, who are voting illegally out there. Yes, but it doesn't matter because it doesn't affect anything. So don't, you don't even have to investigate it. Stop investigating. Stop investigating. Stop recounting. Stop doing all these, these like you know, uh, forensic auditing, right? You know, stop. Just stop it. It doesn't make any sense. Why do you have to bury your head in the sand? You know, why is it that you you have um, Arizona? who is doing a, an audit there, forensic audit on their votes, and the Democrats are up in arms about it. You know, if you're so scared, 
you know, what are you so scared for, right? What are you so scared of? And that even makes me a little bit more paranoid, right? Why are you scared of, of, a, of a little audit? You should have nothing to fear. Absolutely nothing to fear. You know, there's a lot of people who get their taxes audited every single year, right? They're on the, they're on the, the IRS's, IRS's crosshairs and they're going to get audited every single year for some reason or not, right? But they're not scared that some, that the IRS is going to find something wrong with it. You know, they're just a little irritated that they have to do it a lot, but they have nothing to hide. In this case, in the, in the, um, in Arizona, they're saying the Democrats are up in arms about it. Why? You know, it doesn't make any sense. So let's get back to this Biden's America. Now that we're stuck with him, I got that off my chest. So Biden's America, by the way, is not better than Trump's America. You know, during Trump, my business was doing really, really good. You know, um, right now, uh, I had a blitzkrieg of, you know, weddings that came in. But it's been slowing down just a bit because, again, you know, couples can't find rental cars, okay? But um, it's been slowing down a little, uh, uh, like a little bit, but then hopefully it'll pick up later. But right now, this administration, like I said before, it considers climate change to be one of the primary threats to the United States. Now, that's, they're living in the future, right? Or they're living too much in the past. They want to complain about slavery, which we've gone past that train, that train, that train, that boat. It's left the port a long time ago, right? They're not, they're not worried about hyperinflation. They're not worried about the opioid epidemic. They're not even worried about high unemployment. No, the primary problem that they're worried about is climate change. And we can't even prove if climate change will happen on a catastrophic scale. We really, really can't. And what they believe, I mean, just soak this in for a second here, all right? If Obama and Biden or Al Gore actually believe that climate change was a threat to this world under Trump, why did they all buy beachfront property? You know, Obama here owns beachfront property. He bought um, Higgins, you know, from Magnum. He bought Higgins' old house. And he has a, well, he, actually, he didn't buy it, but someone bought it in his name. But it's just beautiful compound. Man, that place is going to look really, 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 really nice. But he bought it right there on the ocean. And uh, I'm not sure if he bought it in cash or he has a 30-year mortgage, but it doesn't matter. It's a beautiful place. But if you actually believe that climate change was, was real and Trump, because he left the Paris Accord, that now the ocean's tide will rise to a catastrophic level because, you know, he, he, uh, I guess Donald Trump put the entire world in danger. Why would you buy that house for? Right? Why would you take out a 30-year mortgage? Why would insurance companies even insure it? Where are the insurance companies? Why are, why are beachfront homes being insured? Right? If in 10 years, they're all going to be underwater. Right? It's pretty simple. It's pretty simple logic, and you can poke plot holes, loopholes, or whatever that, or fallacies in their logic, um, like, like how you would a movie, because their lie is not a very good one, yet the Democrats just buy hook, line, and sinker, all right? Now, what else do they you know, not care about? How about the fact that college has basically become useless, or high school kids are failing behind in math, English, and science? We're not ranked number one. We're not even close to number one. We have 
third world countries who rank higher than us. We have kids who can't even speak and write proper English. And we're worried about climate change, right? They can't even read. We're worried about climate change. And what's the worst part, of, part about like America's, um, Biden's America is that we are so divided right now. We are so divided. I mean, I mean, and it's not just divided on, you know, race anymore. You know, before the Democrats would try to divide us on money, right? They would say, here you have the rich and you have the poor and the rich were out to get the poor. Of course, all of this were fake narratives. I mean, 100% fake, right? Again, there are some rich assholes out there, but there are some poor assholes out there, right? And maybe some rich were out to get the poor. But the far majority... No, the rich were not out to get the poor. And there is no such thing as paying their fair share. You know, I hate when these Democrats say that they want to tax the quote-unquote wealthy. Well, what is wealth? Just because Elon Musk is worth like hundreds of billions of dollars, uh, it, it doesn't mean that he'll get taxed on $140 billion or just because the stock shoots up one day, he'll make $200 million like in a, in a, in five minutes. It doesn't mean he actually made it on paper. He only makes that income if he sells it. And how much of that stock can he actually sell? Because if he sells too much, then what happens? He loses control of Tesla, right? So his shares of Tesla are liquid only to a certain extent. Like, you know, again, Mark Zuckerberg, I mean, it's not to say that these people are poor, but, you know, their cash, how, how cash rich are they actually, right? You know, all these people out there, they have tons and tons of homes. Like I, I have some friends who are just, they're, they're, um, they're, they're very good. They're very good real estate investors, but they still drive for Uber and Lyft. <laughs> Yet they own like a couple of homes and they have renters. Why do they drive for Lyft? Because they don't have a lot of cash income, right? Their money is tied up in investments, right? So, you know, it, it's all a fallacy when the Democrats say that you have to tax people's wealth. Well, that doesn't make any sense. You should still tax people's income, right? Anyway, I'm, going, I'm getting off on a tangent here. But we're not just divided on wealth anymore. There's no class warfare. Now we're, you know, one third of America believes that, you know, the other half is racist. You know, like the white, you know, you have many African, I'll just say it, you have many African Americans right now who have come to the conclusion that America is racist at its core and they can't get a fair shake from the system. And it's horrible that they think this. And they believe the police are after them, that banks have are scheming against them. You have Disney who pushed that narrative um, in the Winter Soldier that the police and the banks are after blacks. It's not, I mean, Winter Soldier was that show. The, uh, was it Winter Soldier and I think the Falcon and the Winter, and the Winter Soldier? They pushed that narrative out there. And CRT, critical race theory, it teaches that no matter how hard you work, how hard you study, and when I say you, I'm talking to African Americans, they're saying that the color of your skin, because it's black, will hold you back. That's what critical race theory is teaching the kids, you know, employees, and also college students. 
right? That no matter what you do, no matter how hard you work, because you're black, you're just not going to make it, which is totally false. And it's a totally negative message to push toward kids, period. Because, you know, if you say it enough, it's going to manifest itself. It really is. You know, if that kid believes that, man, no matter what, I'm not going to make it in life. So why try? You know, I want to become a doctor, but apparently the system is stacked against me. So why try? I know I'm smart enough. I know I'm bright enough, but why try? Because I'm not going to make it because I'm black. What? Why are you telling that kid that when it's, you know for a fact it's false because there's so many great black doctors out there, right? <sighs> anyway, and then you have the other side. You know, and I'll just point the finger at my Republicans. They don't trust the government and the media, and they have a right to not trust the government and the media. But where do they go? You know, they trust basically science fiction bloggers. So again, you have this America, which is, which is so divided, right? You know, you have this really bad tribalism going on right now, and all of this is Biden's fault. All of it. Then you have the Middle East. They're at war. The peace talks with North Carolina. I'm mean, not North Carolina. North Korea. I'm sorry. Not, not North Carolina. <laughs> bad thing. Bad thing. Bad slip. North Korea. The peace talks with North Korea and Kim Jong-un. They're off the table. Gas prices are through the roof. You know, it's funny that gas prices in California are higher than in Hawaii because California has to create all these different mixes and additives and they have all different taxes and everything added to their fuel that their price of gas is closer to $5 than ours. We're approaching $5, by the way. I think on Maui, it is $5, which is crazy. Food prices, man, it is through the roof. I think, and I'll just talk about brisket here. Uh, During Trump's time in office, it was $2.49 a pound for a brisket at Costco. At one time, I saw it go down to two twenty-four, and at the high point is three forty-nine. It's approaching five dollars a pound right now, so it's gone up a hundred percent. That's crazy. So when you're talking, when you buy like a fifteen-pound brisket, it's you know it costs it costs twice as much. And if you run a restaurant, right? Well, <laughs> that's your profit margin. Restaurants. Restaurants run on a 2 to 3% profit margin, right? So they, you see when you go to a restaurant, they're crossing out their prices and you know, having to mark everything up. You know, thank God they don't have set menus anymore. They have everything on a QR code so they can just update their graphics, right? Imagine if they had a laminated menu still yet. <laughs> they would be in really, really big trouble. So uh, the price of lumber, aluminum prices are through the roof. You know what? You know what? Since you know your car is made out of a lot of aluminum, right? So because aluminum aluminum prices are going through the roof, you're going to see car prices go up. You know there is a legitimate food shortage right now, but it's not because we have less cows to go around or less food to go around or anything. It's all logistical things, all logistical problems. And you know Donald Trump, to his credit, if this happened under his watch. He would get involved, get the United States government involved and, and say and ask these farmers and these, uh, uh, I guess, everyone, you know, what is going on? Like, how can we get this back down? How can the United States help? What can we do? What does Joe Biden do? Absolutely nothing. 
And this is where you know I feel that the government should help. Again, you have the Republicans who say, "Hey, you just—it's a free market. Let the free market, free market handle itself." No, in this case, you need government intervention. All right, and that's just my opinion, and that's why Donald Trump truly wasn't, you know, a, a, a true conservative because conservatives just believe that the free market would just fix itself. And I used to be one of those. You know, free market capitalists out there. I thought you just let the free market fix itself, but it doesn't work that way. You know, the free market does not, you know, fix itself. It needs a little government intervention, just a little, not too much, not too much at all. And uh, what made me change my mind? Well, it's by, (laughs) you wouldn't believe this, but I was watching air crash disasters and I saw all of these private planes, these private companies, taking shortcuts to save money, to, you know, to meet their travel deadlines, they were, right? They wanted a certain amount of car um, airplanes in the, in the air. They wanted to launch it on time and pilots would cut corners and um, mechanics would cut corners. You know, they would install air, um, airplane motors with uh, forklifts when they weren't supposed to. And because they did that, the damn engine fell off and it almost killed the entire, all the people on the airplane because that happened. All right. And if it wasn't for the NTSB, you know, making sure that certain, these private companies, right, would follow the rules, a lot more people would die. The reason why air travel is so safe is because we have a government organization called the NTSB. If it didn't exist, air travel would not be very safe. So you need a little government intervention. You don't need these crazy government interventions like what we have, you know, telling you what to wear, you know, what to wear, where you are to track you. Like again, COVID, COVID style mandate government intervention, but we need others, you know, we need just a little. It's kind of, I think if I could compare government intervention, why don't we just say it's like salt. You need the right amount on a piece of meat to say this piece of meat tastes perfect. Too little, there's not enough flavor. Too much, it's too salty. You always need the perfect amount, right? And it's kind of tough. You know, people know when they when you cook, it's kind of tough to salt anything correctly, right? It's either too salty or not salty enough. And sometimes, you know, when you get, even when you go to a restaurant, you know, the, the chef brings out the food, it's not salty enough. That's why I have, they have the salt shaker and the pepper shaker on top of the table because you just need to put just as little because the chef messed up just a little. Right? Sometimes they get it right, sometimes they don't. But you sometimes you need a little help. And that's what it and that's what government intervention needs to be like. You just need the perfect amount, right? So let me see here my notes here. Okay. So well the southern southern border is like it's completely open. <laughs> it's it's completely open. It's you know, the southern border border is effective as the mask you wear to stop COVID. Why don't we just say that, right? Which means it's completely ineffective. And by the way, many companies, corporations are planning to flee America again because President Biden wants to raise corporate tax. And I think he also wants to raise capital gains tax to to the 40 percentile range, right? That's nuts. That's really, really crazy. Why would a company... Even want their comp- even want their company or, or their corporation to be public, if capital gains was around forty percent, 
It wouldn't make any sense. If I heard that, I would take my company completely private. And here's the other thing. You know, with Joe Biden, the federal government is spending so much money on unemployment that people don't want to go to work. So here's the crazy thing. America is open for business. Other than Hawaii, um, Hawaii and I think maybe, was it California? I think it's not fully open yet, but going to be open come the 15th. All the, all the other states are basically fully open. But Joe Biden and Kamala Harris still want to push this unemployment narrative. They still want people on unemployment. I'm not sure why. So people are finding it more advantageous or more, or more profitable to stay home to collect pandemic unemployment than to actually go to work. So you're getting a lot of people who don't want to, you know, work for McDonald's, work in the restaurant industry or anything. They just want to stay home. <laughs> you know? You know, it just doesn't make any sense. So I want to ask you ask yourself, is this better than President Trump? Is it? It's not. It's not at all. All right. Anyway, this is where I'm going to end the podcast. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just frustrated. I, I, and I need to go to bed. It's about 4 p.m. No, 4 a.m. Sorry. I see. I'm even messing up my a.m.s and p.m.s. I'm getting like Joe Biden. Oh, I better not say that. I'm only 44 years old. I can't be like Joe Biden yet. <laughs> All right, people. I am out of here. Thank you for tuning in. And by the way, if you like my podcast, please, please, please share it. And if you want to tune in for more of my podcasts, you can find me on any of the apps out there. Um, I think my favorite is Spotify uh, because, I don't know, it just looks cool. And just do a search for Barbecue 2 Movies. That's BBQ T-O Movies. Bye.